What is that? It was you were too, you, that's literally that's her. Your open music. I'm pretty sure the opening last music week. is in Deeter Deeter Deeter. Yeah, that's right. what it sounded like start. last week. It did. That's what we did. All right. Hello and welcome to Vergecast. Flagship podcast, theverge.com. I just like saying that. Uh, this episode of the Vergecast brought to you by my fake vodka. Scissor vodka. Cut through the night. Also, someone please invest in my fake vodka company. FYI, Neilai still makes the uh, the finger scissor uh, pantomime every time he says scissor vodka. I do a lot of miming. Yeah. Something I've noticed about myself. Anyway, look. Uh, it is WWC. It is literally the day of WWC. We're here in San Francisco uh, in CNBC's beautiful Recode and CNBC's beautiful One Market offices. I'm staring out the window at the bay. It's gorgeous. I'm joined by what I would call an all-star panel of Vergecast guests. Dieter Bone is here. Hello, hello. Walt Mossberg is here. Hello, hello, hello. Lauren Good is here. Hey, everybody. And CNBC's John Fort is here. Surprise. <laughs> weren't expecting John, were you? <laughs> uh, you never expect John. <laughs> well, John, uh, we've been hanging out a lot lately, and I've been trying to get him on the show, and he was a dub-dub today, and so we made him st- stick around for hours to put him in the corner. And, Pretty sure uh, he's been up since about 3 o'clock in the morning. Is that right? Yeah. I mean, I could make this worse. I could tell I could tell people John's in the hype desk, but I won't do I that. don't yeah. bruise easily either, so that's good. No, that's just... It wouldn't bruise you. It would just, you would just think it was dumb and ignore it. Anyhow, um, so today was WWDC. We were all there. Tons of announcements. One of the most fast-paced Apple events I've experienced in a long time. No hardware. All software. No one more thing. Nope. There was one more thing. <laughs> There was. The one more thing was I forgot to run the video. (laughs) (laughs) The one more thing was Craig Federighi just saying, peace out, everybody, and riding off in an Apple car into the sunset. Never to be seen again. Generally, just a very fast-paced event, tons of announcements. I thought from the jump, one of the most interesting things was the way Tim Cook framed each of Apple's four platforms. Um, So obviously, you know, he's like, iOS, completely changed the phone. Mac OS, redefined the personal computer. He, I would say he sort of didn't have a great line about tvOS. He was like, tvOS, the future of TV is apps. And then he completely reframed the watch and said, watchOS, uh, the greatest device for your health, which is a totally new reframing. And Lauren, hopefully by the time this podcast is out in the world, Lauren will have published a piece. I'm sure, actually sure of it. Groundbreaking. Groundbreaking piece. Uh, talking about how Apple's completely reframed I, I just watch. have to say that in Tim Cook's mind yeah. and in the mind of Jeff Williams, the number two guy there who headed up the watch project, it was always a health thing and fitness thing. Yeah. that's. But you're right. They never framed it quite as on the nose as they did today. But in their heads, that's what it was. You know, but mm, I agree. But they. this is the first time that they've basically said that's what it's about instead of it could be a lot of things. No, no, no. Mm-hmm. I, I completely agree with you. I'm just yeah. saying if you talk to them – off a stage, uh, off the record. Right. That's basically what they've always thought it was, because was, that's really what the two of them care about. I FYI, thought one of the greatest uh, ironies today was that Tim Cook talked about the four platforms that people are developing for now. Five if you separate iPhone and iPad, but it's really iOS, Mac, TV, and Watch, as Neil I said. Um, but Watch... Um, is really the one I think that is still least reliant or maybe least useful around third-party apps. Mm-hmm. And that was the one they talked about first. Well, it's really, not like people are full... using it for native apps, right? They're using it for iMessage. They're using it for the native help app, health apps because the third-party app experience has been so poor to date. It doesn't feel like a full platform to me. It still relies on Mac OS or on mainly on iOS to get 
what it needs to get going. I, I wore the Apple Watch for a while and eventually ditched it because it, for whatever reason, can't read my heart rate accurately and consistently. Every once in a while, it just starts reading every other heartbeat. Yeah. And when huh. I'm when I'm going at 150 huh. beats per minute, I, I hate looking down and seeing 75. I'm like, mm -hmm. curse you. <laughs> <laughs> so are you saying, let me just get this straight, are you saying it's reading other people's heartbeats? <laughs> Maybe. <laughs> or Maybe. walking really slowly. And yeah. you know. There's a slow, lazy dude in between <laughs> yeah. the You know a lot of calm oh people in the news. It's me. That dude was me. Um, that'd be incredible. Uh, last week, you had a great, Lauren had a great feature about Apple redoing the app store and how it works and subscriptions and trying to build a business around that. Which, by the way, they didn't mention at they, all. Well, right. Other Schiller, than to say there were two million apps. Right. But, but I think they did all that before because they wanted to focus on the platforms here and kind of the consumer news here. But what was really interesting is I still don't know how you build a business developing watch apps. It's still a sidelight to whatever's happening. Right. On the phone. It's still developers are saying, here's my cool app and maybe I should optimize this for Apple Watch for the most part. I do talk to some health and fitness developers that are very specifically fo focused on wearables um, because that's where the sensor set is and that's where mm -hmm. it makes the most sense. But largely you're talking about developers who are saying, just like they say, should I optimize for iPad now? Should I optimize? Should I optimize for TV now? And a lot of times it's still originating from just iOS and then building out from there. I think Apple wants to change that. I think that's obvious from the way they're sort of segmenting out these platforms right now but i mean yeah i mean watch right now people when you talk to people about watch who have it they say i really like being able to see my eye messages on my wrist i talked to a lot of people in like service industries who say that because they're on their feet all day or and they can't look at their phones or, like or healthcare or whatever, yeah. right or right but even i mean some of the third-party notification experiences really aren't that great or they say they like health and fitness and that's pretty much all native um the one thing that jay blonick did say today dieter's playing dieter's dieter's sending us heartbeats right now no, he's sending us those thirsty notifications i'm sending a, a thirsty rando emoji to our producer who's mad at me for not speaking closely enough to the microphone. Oh. Dieter, uh -huh. go yeah. ahead. Speak closely to the microphone. <laughs> That's both of you. That's but both you know of what, you. Lauren? We're going to cut I all this out, a, by the way. I think just to just to repeat what John said and uh, or to back up what John said and what I know you know because you probably are closer to this than any of the rest of us, it's, it is different than optimizing for the um, iPad. And the difference is that the iPad is an independent device. The question is only do I build a universal app which when it is downloaded to an iPad will look different than an iPhone, but not depend on the iPhone. The right. iPhone can be yeah. completely turned off and it works just perfectly fine on, on the iPad. The watch is not that yet. Yeah. Having said that, I think it's really important to note that this company introduced this, this what was Tim Cook's first big new category since the passing of Steve Jobs, the watch. It has, I guess they're the biggest seller of smart of a very small market of smartwatches now, but it's not a big, it's not a success by any means. It hasn't moved any needles for Apple. Yeah. And today what we saw, at least on the software front, we still haven't seen the new version of the hardware, is a, a complete, what I called a rescue. They're rescuing this essentially failed meh product which is not that's kind of strong words standards. 
No, I, compl- yeah. I actually completely agree with you. And oh, I'm, that wasn't I'm, a strong. Read the live blog. <laughs> Read the Bird's yeah. live blog today. I'm, I'm I hoping I that I have all these thoughts formulated by the time this podcast comes out, but I actually see what they show today as an admission that Apple Watch 1.0 was like totally wrong. I, I completely and, agree with but you. But at the same time, they're, they're really underscoring their commitment to the thing. Yes. The fact that they completely revamped the software for it, with, there might be new hardware coming out in the coming months, and yet they said, you know what, we're just... We're we're going to fix this one right now. But We're going to try to do that. What we know so far is that they've taken the connect button and taken it away from, like, send heartbeats and drawings to your friends and have has it launch an app dock, which is, like, kind of the apps themselves, but also, like, you can tap into the full thing. But that glances metaphor is are weird, gone. But glances seem to be gone. They're totally gone. Uh, who knows if there's still, like, the weird app icon screen. Uh, this thing... Uh, I think me, that's gone. I, I think probably, you, you have to assume me, that's gone. It took me three months to understand all the 50 different ways you use to interact with watchOS 1.0 and 2.0. We're, what, a year and a half into this thing? We're coming up on watchOS 3.0. And they're like, they're changing the whole like UI paradigm again. Wait, sorry. They, so, they so, didn't I use wait, the John is the one who just, Yeah, they didn't talk about they the digital, crown, the digital once, crown Which was the centerpiece demo. of their introduction. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Wait, so John, you don't think this is a rescue? Why is that? I don't think it's a rescue. A rescue? No, I, I think it kind of is a rescue, but I mean, Apple has argued that this thing for anybody else would be a success. And I, I guess maybe they have a point. Like if you look at Amazon Echo, people say, oh, Amazon Echo is a success. Oh, well, compared to what? It like, may not have <laughs> sold any more than this <laughs> Apple Watch. I mean, exactly, exactly. But for Amazon, like, at a lower price. <laughs> after, after that Amazon phone, <laughs> the Echo is, <laughs> my goodness. But, Pretty you know, much anything <laughs> looks like a Fire right. phone. Well, um, that's what you want to set a low bar. Yeah. Anyway. But, I mean, I, I would take my questions around the watch and all this stuff in an entirely different direction. We, we'll get to this later maybe, but who's going to pay for all this in terms of developer time, right? Like, who's got developers to, to tweak things for Siri, to come out with the new Apple Watch app? By the way, we also want you to do iPad stuff. I mean, Swift is going to help, but... They're also tweaking, as you guys reported, the business model around this mm-hmm. entire ecosystem because some would argue th- there's some payment fatigue. Advertising isn't what it used to be. Maybe people, individuals, are actually going to start paying for this stuff now by subscription, not just once. Mm-hmm. Who knows if that'll work? So I think you're you're getting at what I think is like the the secret biggest story of uh, this keynote, which is that Apple is doubling down on apps. They're doubling down on their platforms. They're they're not they're talk not talking about the cloud. They're talking about doing everything on device. And developers can talk to Siri now. We'll talk about that later. Developers can uh, make stuff for uh, Messenger now. We'll talk and, about and that. And maps. And maps. There's but, no iMessage for Android, but which was there's the big no iMessage for Android. In. But every single one of those things got put in terms of you can make apps for Siri. You can make apps for Messenger. You can make apps for iMessage. IMessage, well, whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Facebook just said yes. Yeah, yes, you yes, can. Yes, you can. <laughs> uh, and they're but called like, bots now. It, <laughs> right. it, but everybody else calls those things bots or just like general like floaty, you know, cloud stuff. But with for Apple, general floaty it's cloud. General floaty cloud. Yeah, stuff. Google is not good at naming. Wasn't price. that the name of a website <laughs> you used to have? Um, but <laughs> Apple is, is saying general floaty cloud stuff. Central was still actually the name. Apps. And yeah. like that to me is like a little surprising because right now like. The new subscription model notwithstanding, we'll see how that goes. There's not a ton of excitement about, like, the app economy. Yeah, I couldn't help thinking when they did the traditional uh, Apple slide with that traditional, you know, drop down and and smoke rises from it effect that (laughs) Steve Jobs loved. And so they have kept it. 
boom, comes down the number two million. There are now two million apps. I mean, there were a hundred million five just like, seemed like four months ago. Now there are two million. Uh, and I'm thinking, but every study shows that no one's downloading any apps. Right. So it's really, Dieter, I, th- I think, you're, I think you're, you're absolutely right. How, however, I will just say I was waiting for an Uber for an interminable amount of time <laughs> on the corner, and a bunch of developers came over to me and started chatting. Did they ask for a photo with you? I'm not commenting on that part. And <laughs> that they, happened a lot this morning. Five dollars per one. <laughs> yeah, you need to start charging. Lot. There Apple, needs to be a Mossberg well, selfie app. Yeah, Wall accepts WWDC. Apple Pay. <laughs> Get a cardboard cutout and go around. Yeah. Well, they're all around already. But here's the thing. I so they said to me, "Well, what did you think?" And I and I didn't want to answer. I, I so I said, "Well, what did you think?" And they said, "We're really psyched." These were I don't know five. White males, uh, and of course, and, of course. <laughs> and they said uh, the diverse developers five, are only in the videos. Five white males under the age of twenty-six, basically, Wearing and they, all of them from Australia <laughs> or somewhere. And they said, um, <laughs> "How it's getting fun?" And they said, uh, "We're we're super excited about building apps for all those things Dieter just listed." So. <laughs> The, 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 the distortion field extends quite far. Uh, well, uh, so I would say this, and John actually talked about this for two seconds earlier. It's, I don't think this stuff is designed to sell more phones or more iPads or more whatever. It's designed to get, for the consumer, more value out of the devices at whatever rate they keep selling them and for Apple to start getting more money out of each device because that is what Tim Cook has been talking about, right? Maybe... Maybe right. we are at peak phone or peak iPad, and we've got to start making more money inside of but, each of but, these places. But so I, if you expand the surface area for apps, if you say there's an app store, and now there's an iMessage app store, and now there's a watch a, app a store. Siri app store. A Siri app store. You can, but now you have platforms on your platform. Yeah. And bots, like you're supposed to program for all. If you're eBay right now, it's like, wait a second. I'm supposed to program for Facebook Messenger and iMessage and Siri and you know maybe maybe Home. Right. <laughs> you know, if I if I want to be able to talk to some, you know, all these different things, there's no way that you can have the resources to place bets on all these things. So what don't I know think will happen monetize. is there will be a shakeout. There won't be one giant massive like those two million apps won't each have a version for each of these different sub platforms, and we're going to see over the next X years, also on Android probably, a a, a divergence into camps. There will be apps that seem to work. We already have a little of this with the iPad, if you think about it. If you go to the App Store on the iPad, you automatically are put into a category if you look at the little uh, text on the top that says iPad only. And you can say, show me everything, and you'll see a bunch of blown up phone apps that you probably don't want. But I think you're already going to see subsets. And, and Lauren's right. There are things that that I, I actually think it'll go beyond fitness. I don't know. Can't tell you what exact categories. But what I saw today in the watch finally made me think somebody is going to want to put certain things on the watch that wouldn't have worked before. I, I still have. So I agree with Lauren. Like they've rebooted this thing. They've gotten rid of glances. God only knows the digital crown is for. But they've made it about apps. Right, the, you push the button, you get your app dock. The apps are instant now. God only knows what this is going to do for battery life. Do you life. believe them that they're instant? No, God, no, 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 no. Okay, 
Well, I think it'll be instant wa- on the next version of Watch that is presumably coming in September. With Watch OS 2, I mean, I'll say when Watch OS 2 rolled out last fall, they did say that their performance times were supposed to be better because some of the app logic was being moved onto the device itself rather than everything loading from the phone and all of that and yada, yada, yada. And in my experience, it has been a completely mixed yeah. bag. I wouldn't say that anything has gotten that much noticeably faster. And so I think that. So we don't trust them. Well, no, I don't I, they put out the new OS and they released the new we hardware will later. Judge. Right? I mean, we, that's the move. We will judge. We will when we get to play we with it, which I may be like soon. I'm judged right <laughs> now. <laughs> really, there was a bell that rang I, in the, the distance. I, just what the hell just happened there? That, that, that is <laughs> chimes of doom. Is Mossberg speaking? No, that's for the, the <laughs> that's the bell for the court of Judge John Fort. <laughs> Judge John Fort. I don't know what happened there. So that's the watch, and I think that this is the thing. They're they're, they're retrying the watch, and it's not clear. I will say, oh, scribble. Oh yeah, you can scribble on it. You can draw on yeah. it. You can send it's letters. Easy though, the Android Wear now too. You could, you could uh, Android Wear actually, you could do it first. But I mean, this wouldn't be a verge cast unless I pointed out that you could actually do it first on uh, uh, old PDAs. There is actually Palm has an unreleased watch that's been in Dieter's basement for five years. Imagine if they licensed graffiti. Uh, <laughs> oh, I was going to come to Central. I have to come to Dieter's defense. <laughs> Because even though Dieter and I did not know each other yeah. at the time, it's true. Dieter and I, you have sitting right at this table, the entire marketing department of Palm <laughs> <laughs> and Handspring. That is very true. I mean, they used to, they used to, you would go to their booth at a trade show and they would have glossy printed reprints of my columns and I probably you're no no they actually just had 8 by 10s of a young Dieter <laughs> it, was, it was very no, strange Dieter was, actually Dieter was working the booth <laughs> anyway wow. not I mean, we could just do 30 minutes on Palm right now I'm if you Palm, want to yeah. I think their, their move is to say to Walt's point not every thing that you want to build needs to be a full iPhone app there, there's surface area and Maybe eBay needs to be full iPhone app, but maybe they don't need to be a Siri app. But maybe there's another kind of thing that needs to be a Siri app, which I think we should transition very neatly into the big kind of Mac OS news, which was Siri hit the Mac. Yep. Um, what do you guys think? Uh, the more I think about it, the more worried I become. Uh, really? I'm sure it's going to work fine, but the fact that Siri sits next to Spotlight and they basically did as far as I could tell, did no integration work with them whatsoever. There's a bunch of continuity stuff that they've also done with Mac to connect it to iOS and even the Apple Watch. Um, and I know that there's a new Apple file system that I need to like dig way into. Everybody's very excited about it. There's a new Apple know. file system? Uh, yeah, it's oh, going to replace geez. HFS+. Plus. Um, oh, my God. Like, that can only mean doom. Yeah. <laughs> the, when I saw those two icons next to each other, I was like, oh, so Mac OS is going to be just like iTunes. They're going to just like layer features on it and yeah. not pay attention to how it all should be integrated into a single cohesive whole. Well, right. so, somebody on Twitter complained, and, and I think correctly, and I hadn't thought of it the whole session, because as you said, Neela, they were just like one, it was yeah. like a gattling gun of stuff. Um, there was no mention of mail. Right. And mail is something mm-hmm. that really needs to be oh, worked Holy shit, the biggest news of the you whole can, thing. Yes, single sheet uh, threads. That's not it at Yes, all. it is. You, can, you don't <laughs> have to... Like, Wait, I missed this. Opposite what is this? of that news. All your conversations <laughs> are in a single scrollable pane now. Okay, that's cool. Right? But Where the biggest news... Uh, it, it was one of the things that flashed by. Wait, wait, uh, wait, 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 wait. The biggest news of the whole thing. What is it, thing. Eli? What is it? You can delete the default apps from iOS. 
Yes. You can delete oh, mail yes. and stocks and podcasts. So the fact that that makes us so happy. The fact that that makes us so happy is yeah. a problem, right? <laughs> yeah. Can you make other things that are false? And if you can delete them, does that mean that they have uh, gotten them unbundled from the core S far enough where if they wanted to, they could just update the damn things instead of waiting for the next OS update Yeah, because they're in the app store. Because they're rolling right. updates. They're just in that the app sense. store. Yeah. Well, that's good news. And I think this actually... But maybe they you weren't can't ready delete. to say like, what you can do the with camera. Them. We just, we just rolled mean. right on past Mac OS. And, and which is basically what Apple did. Apple's like, here's Mac OS. Here's a new version <laughs> of Siri for Mac OS. They did that uh, cut and paste stuff Yeah, they well. did a cut and paste. There's some new continuity stuff. Right. Yeah, Siri, you were talking about Siri. And you know, watching this unfold, I thought, well... It would be great if they rolled out Siri more broadly once everybody felt a little better about Siri. Mm-hmm. And I was slightly annoyed that they're rolling out Siri more broadly before they fix search in mail. Right. Like, mm-hmm. fix So you're thi- a mail user. Well, I mean, you have to be, right? Like, mm-hmm. Okay, you don't have to be. <laughs> we, we, John, we work at the On, Bucky startup. Yes. <laughs> you guys are clearly more highly evolved. Like, in, in my yeah, shop, but I still have if, a couple of old email accounts that I use mail for. Yeah. If I want to get corporate mail, it's, you know, yeah. it, it works whitelisted in the mail app. If I try right. to get it in Outlook, just in the corporate, it doesn't work so well. So I use multiple right. mail apps, and I have to go back to mail eventually. And if I'm trying to search for something, my goodness. I am so with John. So I still use mail. This is specific to mobile and desktop. And just this past weekend, I had to actually, I was on my way somewhere, couldn't find the address because it wouldn't pull up in mobile. Had to sit down, open my laptop, connect oh my, my laptop to Wi-Fi, find the paperless yeah. That is the Apple nightmare scenario. Okay, so right. can I go like, further? That They haven't fixed search and other things in mail. They haven't fixed the way their mail client handles Gmail, which I have had hours of conversation with both companies about, and I have come to believe it is largely Google's fault. Even on Android phones, you know, there are two email clients. They, they want their email system to work on in a particular way. But the problem for Apple is that Gmail is the biggest email service in the world by far, and it is their responsibility as yeah. the maker of devices and software to make it work with with Gmail. So and I wanna, as far as I – did you learn something about that? No, or? but I, I wanna, this was, I think, the thing about the Mac section that really hit me. First of all, they renamed OS X to Mac OS. Yep. Yeah. So it's, By the way, they told me at a meeting later yeah. that within Apple, they have a large number of people who called it OS X, which yeah. drove them crazy. I always thought it was I'm a I'm guilty fun of verbal, saying that uh, by accident um, occasion. So they renamed it Mac OS. They didn't give it a number. This they didn't give it a number. Cred yeah. mm-hmm. said something very strange, which if anybody knows the answer to, I would I would love to know. Why it's obvious that it's Sierra? Yes. I've, I've come up with something poetic. So he, he was just like, obviously, you know, we, we have to give it a name, and uh, it's clearly Sierra, and they just, like, moved on. Yes. I think it's because it's a metaphor for the PC market being in a drought, and, <laughs> and Sierra is where the snow-capped mountains still are, and there, it's a source of water. And so I think when right, you say minute, the reason it's obvious is that it's a metaphor for drought, you're like you're just very. I'm sorry. I need, I need a ruling sorry, on that, that from too. Judge John Port. <laughs> <That's> <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. Thank I mean, you. Thank you. because we yeah. all live in Northern California. Yeah. <laughs> nope. That was a that was a huge blunder on my part. I should have remembered. Yeah, the that he's in the doghouse with Lauren, so he'll agree with her. <laughs> yeah, on no, but now. I mean, Apple is so California. Every time Apple does a demo, they're like, "Look at we're going to Tahoe City, and yeah. then we're going to our company offsite in Big Sur, and after that we yeah, might." 
happen to know about. And then our beautiful children will make a movie of this adventure. (laughs) Right, right. That's that's way better than mine. I was going for Sierra, the 1970s and 80s game developer that uh, published the King's Quest series. Oh, there's a metaphor yeah, there no. too. If oh. anyone knows why no. it's obvious, you have though, died. Please I'm, I'm, tweet I'm sticking with my theory. Uh, anyhow, so they, yeah, but why was the mountain orange? Um, yeah, I don't know. Walt mumbled Maybe a either. couple times next to me. He didn't like the desktop. Really? Huh. So <laughs> get it together, <laughs> Apple. Anyway, yeah. Trump. Let me make this point, and we can move on from Mac OS. Everything they demoed in Mac OS locks that ecosystem down farther. So if you want to use the new Siri stuff and ha- say, show me all the JPEG images John emailed me, you have to use mail in OS X because you can't talk to anything else. If you want to use Apple Pay on the web, which is not a big announcement, have to use Safari. They're getting to a place where they And Safari on the Mac. Safari on the Mac. Yes. Which is, I mean, that's a choice. I don't use it. Dieter doesn't use I it. Use it. Well, use Sorry, it. I but use it. Sorry, I use it. That's a choice. They're they're doing this thing where every new big feature requires some amount of ecosystem. I use it because I like else. battery life. Unless these yeah. Siri apps uh, take off, and this is why it's so weird that they're called Siri apps. A Siri app is a thing that lives on the Siri platform. But if they just would like Siri APIs and stuff, then maybe it could talk to other apps that aren't Apple defaults. But right. nobody knows. So it's just that to me is. You know, iOS and the Mac OS, they've been veering towards each other for a while. And it's interesting to me that as they unbundle the core apps from iOS, the ecosystem lock-in on the Mac it seems to be getting a little bit tighter. Yeah, but here, here's features. something you've got to bear in mind. This could change. It may even – we may even see it in some very – in the next quarterly report. I don't – listeners, I have no idea. That was just <laughs> me spitballing. Disclaimer, but, yes. But they've done very well with the Mac. Uh, as it is. They don't have a lot of outside incentive to change. I mean, they have a lot of outside incentive to change certain things like mail. Because when I talk about mail, I don't just mean on iOS. I mean on the Mac itself. Search doesn't work very well there, maybe better than on iOS, but not as good as it used to be. Gmail doesn't work very well there either. But overall, they don't have a high incentive to change the OS on, on, on the Mac because... Last time I looked, the Mac was a $26 billion business that is just a footnote when we talk about <laughs> Apple that would be like 130th in the Fortune 500 or something. And it is uh, – if, if it were a separate business. And it is – it has outgrown the overall PC market. What do they like to say? 30 quarters out of the last 35 or something, you know. Something like that. They don't have a high incentive. They're They're slowing Chromebooks over Mm -hmm. that. I think of my Mac as the thing I use to open a web browser and then use the Yes, I understand, but that's the overall PC situation. And and when you consider that, of all the PC companies, they're in pretty good shape. They feel pretty good about it. Apple's got a couple of different, the way I see it, ecosystem moves that they do and do well. One is this type of move where it's like, hey, this feature is really great for you if every single thing that you use, not just hardware-wise but software too, is ours. And then this works for you. Otherwise, we're not even thinking about that because, of course, you use everything Apple. I don't. Right. The other move that they have is when they open up and pull people into their ecosystem. They did it with iTunes when they made iTunes for Windows and made the iPod relevant for people outside the Mac ecosystem. They did it with retail when they started putting stores in places where people didn't tend to see Macs and iPods and, and their wares. And then they started pulling people in and they were able to tell the story, hey, we had so many customers who've never owned a Mac before. My concern is that with this move with 
all of this stuff working together, but only if you're on only Apple stuff. It's too similar to what Microsoft was doing with Office and other stuff where they were reserving it for their own platform and they limited their growth that way. They waited too long to open up. Now, I've been wrong before about Apple being too closed. Sometimes they succeed wildly with, with being closed. But in this case, I wonder. Cause I, Wait, I mean, but that, I was a winning, I that was a winning strategy for Microsoft forever until they got disrupted by the phone. Right? I mean, Microsoft... Well, until they got disrupted by the web. And by the, the web, yeah. Yeah. Well... Yeah, and well, I I hope it dies. <laughs> it's going to. Don't worry. <laughs> so, wait, wait. First, we're gonna take a quick break. Dieter's gonna read an ad. Yes. We're gonna come back. We're gonna talk about iOS, the big one, and then my personal favorite one, the big change to tvOS, which I think will revolutionize the world. But first, to the money bone. In 1873, Golden, Colorado, was home to miners searching for gold. And when the miners sat down for a well-deserved banquet, Mr. Coors brought a beer worthy of the occasion. A beer that came to be known as Coors. The banquet beer. Also, the lawyers require me to say that Coors Brewing Company is in Golden, Colorado. And with great beer comes great responsibility. Which is a weird way to talk about that, but whatever. So we're back. What a wonderful advertising that was. That's the phrase I'm using from now on. Bone. So Apple blew through TVOS. It brought out Eddie Q. He's like, we put out the TV. We believe that the future. Yeah, Lauren is doing the, the most detail-oriented right guy in the <laughs> company. Yeah, uh, yeah right. Um, he's distracted. Look, the Warriors are up three-one. Any moment, Steph Curry could like shoot a three-pointer and they could win the series. He came out and said, "We believe the future of." TV is apps. We have so many apps. They're great. Here's a new, here's a quote from the CEO of Stars. Here's a new Sling TV app. And the big news, very quickly, we're enabling single sign-on so you don't have to log in every app every time, every TV app. And then audience goes nuts and he's like, all right, that was a TV. And they moved right on. I think that that move is the beginning of Apple actually realizing their desire for the Apple TV to be a single, the single box you have under your TV to be effectively your cable box uh, and for them to disrupt the entrenched TV system in the United States. Walt is looking at me like I am crazy, but hear me out. Right now in this industry, there's, there's like a war going on. The FCC is saying you got to open up the cable box. Uh, Comcast, other cable providers are saying, no, we, that's stupid. The future of TV actually is apps. We're putting apps everywhere. The big thing blocking that from happening is you have to log into every network app on a TV, on a TV streaming box. Whether you have Roku, Apple TV, whatever it is. You have to sign on, you have to enter a code, you have to do this and that. What Apple is going to do in the next version of tvOS is you buy it, you plug it into your internet, you say, I'm a Verizon customer, whatever, you log it in. They will know what apps work with Verizon. They'll show them to you on the TV screen. Presumably, you'll be able to download them as a bundle of everything that works. And then Siri lets you search into all of them. You can say into Siri now with live tune in, turn on CBS, and it'll flip on CBS for you. They've made a cable box. It's just going to work like that. Yeah, the only I, thing it's missing is a guide of live TV. That's kind of a major thing, though. Yeah. Yeah. It's yeah. That's, that, that's, like, that's like two seconds away. Yeah, but, but Neelai. There's There are like one phone call to Gemstar, no, whoever makes no, a guide, no, no, away no, no, from no. having that. They First of all, They've already built a guide, I believe. Uh, this was all part of their their yeah. plan, uh, which they've had tremendous trouble with to the point of, I think, putting it on the shelf for the moment. 
of doing their own service. So I don't think the guide is the obstacle, but because they don't have it, it's not a cable box. Um, it may be that they think of it as the one box, although I have to say this, I'm sorry, there is a one box. Everyone <laughs> ignores it. it. I have has, one. I have one too. It has, an entire it has, it's it has quite all good. of cable and it has the top five or six over the top services right. on it. And, that's, and it's called TiVo and it's there. Uh, and it was just bought, right? I forgot. Oh, who I thought you were going to yeah. say the. X- I thought you were headed in the Not Xfinity X One direction. The X One has no over the top uh, on it. Yeah, it doesn't. Although it can, it was built to allow it, but it doesn't yet. Uh, who makes that, John? Uh, Judge John. Uh, <laughs> uh, some somebody. Some. <laughs> Disclaimer. Yeah, you know we're in their, their building right now. <laughs> <laughs> we're in their building. They own 30% of our company. But we still yeah. make fun of them just because we're friends. And that's what friends I don't do. think they're friends with me. Um, but. <laughs> but the single sign-on is a brilliant thing, whether or not it makes them the, 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 the cable box. And that is, and, and, and it's so cool because it, it, again, like other things, we haven't, we haven't talked about their privacy. Yeah getting around plan, but um, so you sign in once to your cable provider uh, when you encounter the first app that requires that, and they then create a token, which has none of your personal information in it, uh, and they send it up to the cable provider, or uh, I, I think Neelai uh, learned a little more, a lot more detail. There's a, there's a company that cable providers use. But it goes up there. Uh, they don't know who you are. They, they may know what they're streaming to you, but they don't know your details. Uh, and a- certainly Apple doesn't know your details. So, like, once again, poor Comey came to Apple and said, <laughs> I want to know everything about Neil Ice TV watching. They go, well, here's the token. Good luck. You know, and um, and that's that's the basis for single sign But I think the, the thing is, if you have... If you are a TV customer and that number is falling, but then Comcast says to you, hey, we're going to lower the rates for a TV because we are no longer going to lease you a box. Just go buy a $99 Apple TV and that will get the majority. It's not $99. It's $129 now? No, it's 169 169 yeah. But the cheap one, there's still a little one. Yeah, but that's not going to do all that. That's not going to do these things. Yeah, so, talk to it. Uh, anyway, but Podcast whatever, my point is. I want you to know that I'm placing my hand over Neil's heart. stopping me. Because I'm not wearing the Apple Watch. I, I have seen this thing that my hand is over, Neil's heart, be broken over and over again. So many times by so many companies presenting such good plans for fixing TV. Mm-hmm. It's happened at least a half a dozen times where Neil rushes back from things like, these people have figured it out. And then he explains the plan and we all go, yeah, that plan could totally work. And then within a year, the plan is in shambles. And this, this isn't fixing TV, right? I mean, I, I've been amazed at Apple's incrementalism in TV. It's like they, they don't want to, for some reason, it seems to me, they don't want to pay what it would cost to get all the content they would need to actually deliver their right. own sort of over-the-top streaming service. Maybe they feel like it would be too expensive, too similar to what's already out there. So they're doing these I don't think it's money. Partial- I, think, I think in order to justify what they would have to pay, in other words, the media companies are saying to them, oh, we'll be happy to treat you like Comcast. I'm sorry, X- Xfinity, Comcast, <laughs> whatever, whatever the hell their name is. We'll be happy to treat you like Comcast. Pay us what, what Comcast pays us. And then the economics are they have to offer those giant bundles because that's yeah. the only way to make the money back. So 
that would just make – why bother doing that? That's not revolutionizing anything. That's just becoming another cable provider. I think, I think John is right in that it's it, – these are incremental moves. It's not like Apple is hand, handling the billing for how you're paying for these specific cable apps um, or cable services. No, but all I'm saying it's is not they like, were willing to do something much more radical and they just haven't been able to get that right. Right, on their, on their terms. And I think th- they're talking about apps being the future of TV, but it's not even clear to me that apps are the future of apps. Right, <laughs> right, right. I mean, yeah. can I mean, there's so Poco. many app developers who are saying, "Eh, not sure there's a future business model-wise in this." There, there certainly is one for Apple and for Google because it's like they're sucking the oxygen out of the room to a large extent. I mean, you don't have to actually tap on the app icon and go into OpenTable nearly as often now because you can just either ask Siri or go into Apple Maps and yeah, book but OpenTable's table. business model is to take a spiff off the reservation, right? I mean, they don't I mean, need to open the app. That's what it is now, but they might have had other ideas or plans that involved opening up their app, but now that's blown to the... Now they're a feature. They're yeah. not an app. They're not, they don't have a direct relationship with you. They're a feature inside well, of Maps they or try. inside of Siri. I mean, I, I, I've used this through uh, Siri or I might have used it through Alexa or Google or, or one of the others and, uh, or all of them. And what happens is they just do what, they, what would happen if you open their app, but they send it to you in email. Whether you ask for it or not, all of a sudden you get an email with like here are some other restaurants you want to go to and all the other crap they would have put in the app. But the, Please rate this restaurant. Yeah, but the whatever, big question you know. for the TV is HBO builds HBO Go and CBS builds CBS Now and ESPN builds Watch ESPN. They spend all the money to build the apps and then you get single sign-on, a guide, and Siri voice search and you never open those apps again, right? Yeah. They get The content gets totally disintermediated. I, I don't know about you or how much you use your Apple TV. I use mine a lot. Um, I almost never bother opening them. I just say, yeah, watch but, I just table say, or something but, but like that. Show me Masterpiece right, Mystery or Game of Thrones. But the single sign-on you know. thing to me is just right now when you when you're have, when you are using a TV and you're having a traditional cable experience, you don't go to a channel and then are prompted to enter in something for that channel, right? So in a way, Apple is just kind of replicating the experience that we already have, but they have to do it at an app at an app by app basis and so this is their solution for that and in me and like i know you're doing a lot of reporting on this and i'm really looking forward to reading this it's and hearing more so about bad. it but at the surface <laughs> level I mean, that's kind of what Cinecore i see it as right now i am but your <laughs> person that's true but the relationship and the leverage is had at a level above the person who's actually watching the content though hbo has that relationship with the cable provider i mean they're, they're really having a, a balanced, negotiated relationship. Now, if this goes to the app economy, you think they're going to have that relationship with Apple where they actually have leverage or are they just it's, another? They're not until they feel that they can make money off of it. That's what it comes down to. Yeah, I mean. My, the, but, but they can make money off it. They can sell. I mean, I, have, I don't know what the numbers are. Maybe you do, John, uh, lately. But they have HBO Now, which does not require any of this single sign, this authentication stuff. And I. They, what do they charge? Fifteen bucks. But isn't HBO aren't apps like HBO They're now like still seen as supplemental to the main cable uh, experience? Less and less and less. So Not so it's a, so it's an incremental right, thing, yeah. I mean, right? I, but I until two, they can make the bulk of their money off of this sort of direct over the top model. This is an old story, and you've heard it before, but it's true, and I think it's interesting. I just spent the weekend, as I do every five or six weeks, at my son and daughter-in-law's house where my granddaughter lives, that's the most important thing, in Boston, uh, they have a big TV. They just have a Roku. They don't have, they don't have a cable subscription. They would, 
I mean, it's so far down their list of priorities. It's like it's not not even yeah. there. My other son, who lives in Texas, does the same thing, and yet <coughs> they watch. They, he's totally up to date on Game of Thrones. He's totally up to date on everything, and he added up what he pays for all these services, and he still saves about I think he said seventy bucks a so month. This is, but I'm saying this is the move, right? The, these incremental steps are sort of classic Apple. They put out the device, they got the apps. The single sign-on is a big enabling step, in my opinion. And the next move is for Verizon, Charter, Comcast to say, you know what? We're lowering the price of the bundle because all we have to support now is your internet connection. We're still doing all the content Put your hand back bundling. Over, it's beating. <laughs> I'm telling you. We're going to do all of this, and we're going to sell you the Apple TV user, the Apple skinny bundle that has your four broadcast networks, HBO and ESPN. So you're saying that – and that will be way Back cheaper. To John's it, will, point. it will be the same price as if you buy them all individually. So you're saying you agree with John that it's incremental, but it has an end goal. It's working, and it's basically a replacement. You know, they they tried to do the big bold thing. Mm-hmm. They tried Peter Kafka. I think documented every single twist and turn in it, of it. It didn't work. Uh, through forces they couldn't control. So now you're saying they're doing this other thing and they're going around a different way, step yeah. by step by step I, to this goal. I think goal. This, this thing is rolling, and it, this single sign-on to me is it gathering a significant amount of momentum because everyone, for the first time in the TV industry, everyone agrees this is the move we need. We're going to move to it very quickly, and it's it will change the dynamic of the industry. And a big pressure on that is if they don't win this race – the FCC is going to come in and say, you got to blow it all up anyway. And they do not want that. They are desperate to not be regulated by the FCC in that way. So they can show Congress. So they have, they have the two American terrible public. choices, yeah. Tom Wheeler or Tim Cook. Yep. And they're, gonna, they're definitely going to pick Tim Cook. Man, like, you're without definitely going to have your heart broken. Oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> Remember Aww. when the Xbox was going to save TV? Yeah. Yeah, I know. New Xbox is a fucking IR but, here, here, <laughs> but, but here, here's the good thing, Dieter. Dieter, neither you nor I will be in New York when his heart gets broken. That's true. This episode of The Vergecast is brought to you by Warby Parker. They say they have a new concept in eyewear. It's contemporary eyeglasses that are extremely affordable and fashion-forward. I think glasses should be viewed as a fashion accessory, but they should not cost as much as a plane ticket or a new iPhone. Glasses start at $95, and that is including prescription lenses. And sunglasses also start at $95, including polarized lenses. And with a prescription, you can get sunglasses starting at $175. Warby Parker makes buying glasses online easy and risk-free. They have a home try-on program that allows you to order five pairs of glasses and have them shipped directly to your door, where you can try them on in the comfort of your own home and get feedback from your friends and family and colleagues and whoever else that, uh, you know, people that would normally tell you that you're funny looking, but when you're wearing Warby Parker glasses, maybe, maybe you're not quite so funny looking. You'll have to try them on and see. You've got five days to do that, and then you can send them back using free prepaid shipping labels. And there's no obligation to purchase if you do it. It's 100% free. It's so easy that Warby says that a dog or a cat or whatever, they could all do it. It's pretty simple. Uh, Warby Parker believes that glasses should be viewed as a fashion accessory, like I said before. That's uh, like a bag or a shoe or a necktie or a hat or, I don't know, an Apple Watch. Uh, It should just be as easy and affordable to accessorize with glasses as it is with basically anything else. And for every pair of glasses that they sell, Warby Parker also distributes a pair of glasses to someone in need. 
So, okay, what do you do? You go to warbyparker.com slash vergecast, and you can order your free home try-ons today. You can choose five different frames you'd like to try on. Once you do, you can mail the frames back, and you can choose your favorite pairs to, uh, to have your prescription added, and then you can just order them and get them. Warby Parker makes the experience completely risk-free, and there's free shipping for basically everything. Again, visit warbyparker.com slash vergecast to begin your free home try-on experience today. And again, when you do buy a pair of glasses, they will distribute another pair to somebody in need. Once again, I'm going to just keep saying it. I can't stop saying it. It's Warby Parker, W-A-R-B-Y-P-A-R-K-E-R.com slash vergecast. And check it out. All right. I'm going to do another transition. It's who knows to what it is. Something, something pre-recorded will happen now. We're going to come back and talk about the phone. Hi, I'm Paul. And I, every week I like to do a little, a little section called Games Are Gadgets 2. And joining me this week is Casey Newton, straight from, like, literally live from the E3 show floor. Hi, Casey. Hello, Paul. How are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. Uh, We are sort of in the home stretch uh, here at E3, but we've definitely seen a lot of cool stuff. Are you staying hydrated? I am. Honestly, I have not had a drink of water in, like, four hours. Oh, man, please, please rectify that right after you're done talking to me. I will, I promise. Thank you. Uh, so, so yeah, what are, what are your uh, highlights? Well, I think um, virtual reality made a big splash this year, uh, at least in terms of how many different publishers were showing off new experiences. And obviously there's been a slow burn for the past few years, but now with the systems actually hitting retail, um, publishers are having to figure out how to make these commercially appealing games. And so some of my favorite things at E3 this year have just been seeing what publishers are doing with VR to try to make it uh, appealing to us. Yeah, this is like the, 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 the E3 of the AAA VR. Yeah, I mean, at the Sony demo or, or the Sony uh, press conference when they said you're going to get to see Batman in VR this year, that felt like a pretty huge moment to me you know like so much of the the vr up until now has been little you know silly one-off games um obviously the batman arkham series probably one of the most commercially successful the past five years and um the fact that sony built an experience for that at the show this year i think shows you how seriously they're taking it yeah i'm stoked i'm stoked about fallout yeah and star trek yeah well i can i can definitely tell you about star trek Yes, please. So uh, Star Trek uh, is a game, uh, the the, the official name of the game is Star Trek Bridge Command. Uh, Ubisoft is making it, and it's supposed to come out uh, later this year. It's a four-player cooperative game where you choose one of four roles on on the bridge of uh, of a starship. Um, there's a captain, uh, a, a tactician or a tactical person who does kind of the shooting. Uh, there's a, a helm person who does the steering. And then there's an engineer who does uh, nerd things. And, uh, and in the demo uh, that we played, four of us had to communicate constantly so that we could rescue a bunch of people from some uh, space pods and then escape the galaxy before the Klingons blew us up. 
and it, it was a really fast-paced game. It definitely was uh, frenetic and, and scary as we were sort of trying to all uh, coordinate while we were using all these brand new virtual reality user interfaces. But ultimately, it was a lot of fun. You know, on the flip side, I will say that graphically, uh, none of the VR that I've seen is really stunning. I think there's just a kind of general muddiness uh, to the the field of view on on every VR system that I've tried. The the way that Star Trek deals with this is by making it a bit more. Um, cartoony. Uh, it's not uh, meant to be sort of uh, hyper-realistic. And so you can just kind of, uh, you know, lose yourself in the uh, fun of piloting uh, an enterprise like Starship uh, for a few minutes. So you think, think publishers are kind of ratcheting their system requirements for console VR? I think that is true. Um, I will say that the other uh, VR experience that I tried today was the Batman VR. And and that was of much uh, much higher quality. I mean, I think it was of a quality that was uh, that would be familiar to anyone who played the Arkham games on the console. The only difference was that the um, the, the the screen display on the PSVR it can, it's just a lower resolution than, than you would get on you know a, a 4K TV or something like that, or even a 1080p TV. So, so you, um, you played Batman on on PlayStation VR. Did you play it, uh, Star Trek on PlayStation VR as well? Uh, Star Trek was on Oculus. Okay. Yeah. And then what do you think about uh, Xbox? I mean, there's no Xbox VR headset, but they have weirdly announced an upcoming console that will support VR. What do you think about that? (laughs) Um, It seems like a logical step for them to take, right? It would be like the crazier story would be Xbox saying, we're not even going to try VR. Um, And frankly, it it might... um, behoove them to wait and let this first generation kind of have another, you know, six or eight months um, out there in the public while we learn, you know, what works and, and what doesn't work for these kinds of games. You know, what one point that a lot of commentators have made is that most of these uh, things that we're playing, you know, they might be called games, but there's not a lot that's game-like in them, right? A lot of them feel more like interactive experiences where you're, you know, pressing a button or you're, you know, picking up an object and, and moving it across a desk or something. Um, you know, the, the number one problem that VR games still have is movement, right? Most right. of the things that we're playing require you to be stationary. And it's it's sort of funny um, what these games go through to, to like sort of explain the fact that you can't move. You know, like in Star Trek, it's that you're seated at a desk uh, on, on a starship. In Batman, for the first part of it, while you're like calibrating your bat suit, it's because you have to like stand on the circle with uh, the bat on it as it descends <laughs> down through uh, Wayne Manor into the bat cave. So, so you know, they kind of have to um, contrive these like silly situations while you, while you can't move around. I'm not saying that's something that you know Xbox is going to figure out in the next eight months, but um, hopefully by the time their uh, their VR headset lands, we'll we'll have uh, done some more thinking about the way we move in, in these VR games. I know in Fallout you you just teleport. Yeah, and that's exactly the way. So in the, in the second part of the Batman demo, uh, you're investigating a crime scene, and they have these like super awkward move controller, like PlayStation move controller icons in the environment. And uh, in order to move, you have to look at one of those icons and then press the trigger, and then Batman uh, just teleports to that place. So it's, it's, so, it's like it's like mist. It's you're not, yes, you're not even 
choosing the exact spot on the floor you want to go to, you you get to go to one specific little 360. Yeah, it's like it's like VR has reinvented was it, the point and click adventure. Right, Riven was like that. Riven yes. had the 360 look, I think. What yeah, exactly. Did. Okay. So, but you know, that said, I mean, I want to say you know one nice thing about the the Batman VR experience, which is um, the that that's sort of the first part that you play. You know, you're in Wayne Manor, like sitting at a piano, and Alfred comes in and tells you, you know, that somebody's calling for help. He hands you a key, uh, you know, you sort of grab it from him using these move controllers, you you turn the key in the piano, and next thing you know, you're descending down into the Batcave, and after you calibrate your suit, you descend again um, uh, down, uh, presumably toward the Batmobile, although you don't see it. But as you're, like, making that descent, you have this 360-degree field of vision, you have these, like, sort of really lush, like, waterfalls inside the Batcave, there are bats flying everywhere around you, and, and just for a moment, you really do trick your brain into thinking I am I'm standing in the Batcave, uh, you know, even though I'm in this like sweaty box inside the LA Convention Center, and and that is like the magic and the promise of VR, right? It, it's just the the feeling that you can be utterly transported, and so there's still a lot of work to, to go on the gaming front, but just in terms of its ability to take you somewhere else and make you feel like you're there, that that is really exciting, and I think that's what's driving forward, you know, so much of the the interest in, in VR this year. So on like a gadget nerd end of things. Yeah. There's the Xbox S. The yes. slim down, which also has some more processing power. It's got 4K support. What and it's got a beach body. That's the to me that's the important <laughs> thing. It's been in the gym and it is ready for summer. I, it's just man, it, it I, I have a, a PlayStation 4 and Xbox One at, uh, like, w- my primary hangout spot. And the PlayStation 4 is such dramatically better hardware. <laughs> yeah. Um, so it just feels like Microsoft's just catching up. Um, but Sony is apparently working on a, a more advanced version of PlayStation 4 as well. Uh, what, do, are people, like, freaked out about this? Like, is this destroying the whole concept of a console? Do you have any thoughts on this? Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, the people here could not be more excited, right? These are industry people. Anything that sells more consoles is going to get them excited. And and for people here who are essentially just video game fans who've, like, figured out some way to get a pass... Um, these are the kinds of people that would easily spend another $400 on a console anyway, right? It's like, what, like a higher frame rate of here's $400, right? Like I'll pre-order it. Right. Um, so like if, if people are going to be upset, it's not here. You know, I mean, as a longtime console player myself, I have very mixed feelings about it because on one hand, like the glory of consoles is that you just buy it once and then you don't think about it for the next five years or so, right? Or um, unless it like dies because of like a red ring of death or something. Yeah, yeah, hopefully, but hopefully you'll get at least four or five years. And, I, and I've had like really good luck with all my consoles. So there's something great about that. At the same time, uh, as you well know, Paul, we're in an era now where many of us are replacing our phones at least once a year and we're happy to pay five or $600 or even more for that privilege. And so the idea is that our phones phones are are iterating faster than games when games typically have much higher requirements from the 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 hardware it does start to seem a little bit ridiculous so i think it's inevitable that if consoles are going to remain competitive they're going to need to iterate more quickly um i just think it is a very delicate dance because 
you know, most people can't afford to spend four or five hundred dollars a year uh, on a new console, and I hope it doesn't get to that point. So it's uh, it'll, it'll be interesting to see how it all plays out. But I, I mean, I have to say, I, I, I suspect this will be successful because you know the the hardcore gamers uh, are, are going to spend that extra money, and I and I think the masses will follow them, you know, in due time. I, I'm really excited about it. I, I do think it's gonna work out for some reason. Yeah. Um, like, based on your dedication to gaming, whether you upgrade or not, you're still going to have the experiences that you prefer. Yeah. But also, like, I'm, I'm like, I haven't managed to scrape together the two thousand dollars I need for the VR rig and the VR headset right. yet. And right. so, it, I, maybe one of these consoles will come out before I, I've done that, and then it's like, oh, well, here's a a way cheaper entry into the world of VR. So yeah, I'm, I'm excited and, about yeah. it from that perspective. And I, th- I mean, honestly, I think that the, the console experiences I've had on VR, I would say they're roughly on par with the sort of PC-driven VR experiences I've had, and, and that's pretty exciting too. I also think that just like um, aesthetically, like PSVR is the best looking. Like, yes, it's still a ridiculous mask that you're putting on your face, but it has these like weird blue lights and the rest of it's just this like kind of, um, you know, like simple white. I don't like. There's there's something very appealing about it. Um, so I actually wouldn't be surprised if um, if VR breaks through not on on the PC but on the console. I've also heard it's like by far the most comfortable. Yeah, it's it's um it's very light. Apparently they they like they've balanced it so that there's a bit of a kind of counterbalance on the back of the the headset, so it kind of sits a little bit more comfortably on your head. And then yeah, there's like kind of a nice uh, foam padding uh, around it. So. Um, you know, I, I, I wouldn't say there's an enormous difference in comfort between that and the Oculus, but if people are going to take sneaky pics of you wear of me wearing one of them, I would much rather they take sneaky pics of me wearing uh, the PSVR. All right, all right, that's good to know. <laughs> um, any, any anything else you'd like like to add about your general feelings and emotions at being at the you know, the, I- the game trade show of the year? I tell you, man, I just, I love it. Like, like this is one of the times where I feel lucky to do my job. I love video games. Um, I don't usually love trade shows, but every year, like, I leave E3, like, ready to go out and spend four or $500 on video <laughs> games, like, by the end of the year, you know? I really like, um, like, third-person action adventure games. So for me, this year was all about, like, playing the demo of the new Deus Ex game that's coming out um, in August, um, Dishonored 2, uh, like, have some amazing mechanics. And so just, like, to, to spend some time in those worlds like six months before the rest of the world is, is going to get to just like really felt like uh, a true privilege so if you love video games i think you have a lot to be excited about in in the next six months and of course we'll be bringing uh, all of that to you and more on the bruce.com that's a wonderful note to end on I, I i wanted to add that my gadget pick of the week is this fallout pit boy Yes. When they first announced Fallout, they, they showed a case for your phone that could turn your phone to a Pip-Boy, but now they just made an actual gadget. I'm really proud of them. And I wanted to thank them, uh, Bethesda, for doing that. Um, uh, yeah, check out more E3 coverage at The Verge. We also have a sister site called Polygon. They also cover a lot of video games, so that's cool. And uh, I'm guessing we're going to talk a lot more about E3 on next week's Vergecast. I just didn't want to miss this opportunity to have somebody, you know, with all that energy. I can hear the show floor behind you. People are just (laughs) so excited about about waiting three hours to play Zelda right now. I I know it. (laughs) 
and they are. It's the last day of the show, and that line is still a mile long. That's wonderful. Well, thank you, Casey. Thank you, Paul. Let's talk about the phone. Biggest news, obviously, the entire event. Um, Ten big announcements. Tim Cook called it the mother of all releases. They ended with a big note about the privacy on the iPhone, the way they're going to do AI, the way they're going to learn stuff. Um, differentiated privacy, I think. Is differential. What, differential privacy. Short-term, long-term memory was another keyword. Lots of stuff to unpack. But, John, what do you think the biggest phone news was today? Differential privacy, though? Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah, John. That's right up there with unapologetically John, I promise, <laughs> I promise you you'll be using differential privacy within two weeks on the air. Uh, I mean, I, I, I love... I, I love that John Fort, but every time he's on the air, he's talking about differential privacy. I know. Citing some it, unknown academic. You know, it's, 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 the guy's it's like our friend Carl has that series binge. Yours will be differential privacy. Differential privacy. Yeah. When you say differential, I think you're going to say equations next. But then yeah. you surprise me. Yeah, you there say, may be equations in there. There are. I'm confident are. of these equations. Uh, so, so, anyway, John, go ahead. It's a relatable word. Um, I, I love what they're doing with iOS in general. I, th- I think the, the iMessage stuff in particular is going to be um, it's going to have a good effect on on getting keeping people in the ecosystem and getting people especially teens I imagine and tweens to all stay um, in the in the fold uh, I mean some of the stuff that they're doing around uh, the lock screen wasn't as interesting to me because I don't like so much information showing up on a lock screen where I don't know who might try to pick up my phone and, and look at it so I mean a few different things. I know people have different settings on their lock screens, for instance, and, and that's going to appeal to some people. But, I mean, interesting stuff. I'm, I'm an iPhone user, have been since almost the beginning, since I ditched my handspring trio. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> yes, me too. Now, yeah. you want to hear about right Dieter's heart? Because it's still, <laughs> it's going. It's, it's elevated. Me. It's me. You know how many trios I have? Is it fewer than Dieter? <laughs> I don't know, but I, I know that Dieter... I don't have that many. Dieter, like, tweeted a picture of me that Recode ran of me holding a trio. Yeah. Just to, just to tweet it. Yeah. Every now and again, Dieter tweets an old palm picture. Anyway, so... John, please continue. Here's what I saw about the phone, John. Well, I saw well, the... So, yeah. so, bottom line, you thought it was a good uh, bunch of improvements in iOS? I, I thought they were good improvements. I am scared of the next phone update. In jo- I, I didn't see... Um, specific things in this iOS update that I expect to lead to uh, hardware changes. And so I'm, I'm still curious about that. Like, what exactly is all of this leading to in terms of what we're going to see in the iPhone 7? You know, we know about the dual lens potential and all that, but um, I'm, I'm wary of this next phone update. I'm afraid they're actually going to take away the headphone. Yeah. Port- and, you know, the, I got a big, yeah. John, be afraid. Yeah, I'm very it's, it's afraid. Gone. Because I use that for more than headphones now. I mean, microphones, there, there are yeah. other things you do with that thing. And if you start taking away ports on something John, so small. John, you don't small, understand. The digital port can be used for everything. I know it can, but there's only with one. With the price of only Dung. a few adapters. I know. I know. <laughs> which but, will include a passroom. I mean, but give me two. Because I might want to plug in a microphone and plug yeah. in a battery to that lightning John. port at the same time. I, I can tell I just you want all to point about to the that, listener. That if you're in your car right now, I want you to imagine Walt Mossberg with a beautiful view of the bay behind him, threateningly brandishing a single-port <laughs> MacBook Air and John Ford. Just trying to show John, just trying to remind oh, him of a single yeah. port. Yeah. It is rather sharp. It's yeah. <laughs> 
It is. It was, and again, the chimes of doom ringing in the background. Uh, yeah, Lauren's slipping on the playing the time. <laughs> yeah. the oh, yeah, where are the bells? Yeah, where's your, where's your like, zoo crew know. soundboard, Lauren? <laughs> now I really want a sound effect so for here, control walk to leave. We'll come up with something. <laughs> uh, here's what I – the thing I saw with the phone, they made a bunch of incremental improvements. They did a bunch of things where I literally wrote in the live blog, finally, or I thought to myself – this is what they should have done when they released the 6S. So they leaned very heavily into the faster Touch ID sensor. Yep. They came up with new lock screen because they said, we've noticed it so fast we never even see the lock screen anymore. So they revitalized the lock screen in a variety of ways. They moved Siri around. They made Siri obviously smarter. They put 3D Touch all over the place in really interesting ways. All stuff they should have done when they put out the phone with the faster fingerprint sensor and the 3D Touch as far as – I mean. That was a bunch of finally stuff. Um, but they, at the time, they were selling 76 million iPhones a quarter, so it didn't I, seem I, so urgent. There, I don't <laughs> think – no, I mean like even Apple Music, and I'll get you to agree with me on this one. Apple Music was a mess when they launched it. It still kind of seems oh, like I'm yeah, on record. Yeah, I'm not uh, sure. I mean how did everybody else feel about the – I wasn't sure I was convinced that Apple Music is all fixed up now. Oh, no, so I'm not, not convinced right. either, not convinced uh, but what I'm saying is – it would it have been better. better if the version of Apple Music they released from the get-go looked like this. It's right? like this the, is what, a real what we foundation. said about the watch or, or yeah. much earlier in this podcast, mm -hmm. which is live. <laughs> <laughs> it's happening right now. <laughs> Somewhere in time, it's, something was said. It's what version one probably should have been, except we know even less about it. Right. We, we're all going to have to try it. Uh, but, yeah. Um, yeah. They I, put out a revamp of Apple News to which the crowd went, huh? <laughs> uh, and then announced they have like 60 million Well, now it doesn't needs. look like it was built by monkeys on crack. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> now, now it looks like the Wall Street Journal. It does, uh, uh, it does push alerts. just like It, it does like push Zeit. alerts. It does it's subscriptions. I mean, the, they've reinvented Zite, which yeah. is fine, which I like. They've yeah. cut, almost reinvented Flipboard. They're close. They should have just bought Flipboard. They should have. No. I mean, And they, by honestly, the way, I, the highest level of Apple, both under Jobs and Cook, were, were – and. I think are still close to Flipboard unless something has yeah. happened. So they well, it was one of the first great iPad apps, right? Mm -hmm. The HomeKit um, home stuff, the new Home HomeKit. So that's a big one. Yeah. So the big ones are obviously, and they save these for last, right? iMessage. iMessage is a platform, and then Home finally gets this dedicated app. Mm -hmm. Not which, only a dedicated app, but a dedicated spot on the core UI of the OS. So they shuffled some stuff around in iOS. So yeah, you should go through that. You photos. Even they took. They took widgets out of the, the drop-down notification panel, and they moved it over to the left of the home screen and the left of the lock screen, which means they got rid of that Siri predictive garbage that nobody uses. Control panel is now three panes. You swipe up, you get your main control panel. I'm sure you can't control, like, do as much as you ought to with it, but whatever. You swipe that control panel over, and you get your music controls, and then you swipe it over again, and you get all your HomeKit controls. Uh, so, like, they have made home automation, like, a thing that you can get to from anywhere in the operating system, which yeah. is a huge bet. I don't think it's a huge – I mean, it's it should be a first-level system service. Yeah, but nobody has home automation stuff to use in their with their first-level I mean, I can't That's wait to – What I find so strange about all this is it's so hard to find a comprehensive list of things that are currently available that are HomeKit compatible and really work well. I mean, Apple has yeah. this list, and it's – surprisingly short, and it makes me wonder, when you announced HomeKit to begin with, why wasn't Home at the center of it, and why didn't you have some device yeah. that 
that catalyzed the whole market. Well, well now because they were requiring, they, like, they, just, were, they finally admitted it today that the Apple TV is the thing you use. They were requiring um, device makers, home smart home device makers, to have a specific hardware set in order to work with Apple HomeKit. It wasn't just a software thing. It wasn't just oh, work with our software platform now. For security reasons, they required device makers to have a certain. Um, a cer- I want to say it was a certain type of wireless it was a chip, chip set. It was a chip. And yeah. and so what happened was at the time that they announced HomeKit, you know, you look at some of the smart locks or smart cameras or you know smart thermostats or whatever that were already out on the market. They weren't going to go back and retroactively add, you know, chi- this chipset to their existing devices. They had to wait for the next product cycles in order for things to become HomeKit compatible. So it's been this kind of slow and I don't know, it's kind of painful. Yeah, but don't show me that. I don't want to things s- that actually work. I don't want to see you doing that. You do that behind the scenes, so I don't yeah, have to see. It just yeah. didn't. It just right? wasn't already you, at once. Yeah, just tell yeah. me when and, it's done. You, know, and you say. Here's our couple of partners. Here's Disney and their new. And they didn't do that even today. They didn't bring anybody. Despite the fact that they made it a central feature of iOS, there were no HomeKit people up. Right. I I hear what you're saying about Apple TV, but it's called Apple TV, not Apple Home. And it's an enabling thing. It's not like, hey, look, look at my Apple TV. It can open my door. Actually, it can't. It can sit there and wait for the device to show up that I'm going to be excited about, but it's not the device right. I'm excited yeah. about. It just sort of sits there. Right. Yeah. Versus something like the Amazon Echo, which just required a software integration. Like, they went from having, you know, 300 skills, quote-unquote, to 1,000 skills. But and some of those being darn... smart home controls, because all the smart home makers had to do, the app makers would say, okay, sure, yeah, you can use Alexa to control the Philips Hue light but bulbs then, now. But then isn't Apple just going to put out a Siri box in September? And call it the, a day. The, and, that is one of the rumors, right? That right. they're working it was on. There's a rumor, rumor, but nothing happened. Yeah. I, I, no, I, um, meant, I meant they'll do it in September. The problem here, or the non problem, the, the, the wonderfulness, whatever you want to call it. <laughs> uh, the no, problem or the wonderfulness? Well, it really depends on your point of view. Let me finish and you'll see. Is that Apple actually um, cares about and I think has decided to build a big part of its reputation on security and privacy. And these IoT things can be hacked. That's why they required a chipset. And that's why they're slower getting to, you know, nothing, I take nothing away from the Echo and Alexa and Amazon. You know, I, uh, nothing away from Jeff Bezos. I just came off a pretty great interview with him uh, a couple weeks ago, but. That was Recode.net. (laughs) <laughs> Recode replay. Listen to it free. Uh, You're welcome, Mossberg. <laughs> Finally, a and business there it model. Is. And there Bezos it is. mentions on the Vergecast. Bot Lauren <laughs> speaks. Um, but the level of security that they're willing to settle for, which I'm sure is not nothing. I'm not accusing them of having no security. Uh, and the level of security that Google is willing to go for, which I'm sure is not nothing, is not, is. is Nowhere as high as the level Apple typically insists upon, and people can call it control or whatever they want, but security and privacy matter, and that's why you will be saying differential privacy. I mean, I wrote a piece uh, that I don't think they were very happy about, uh, wondering aloud whether they could compete in the next era, uh, uh, which is, I believe, is the AI era. We've talked about this on CNBC. Watch it daily. Squawk <laughs> Alley. Squawk Alley. Every, every, every morning. We get like 10 cents every time we do one of these. So just keep them rolling in, guys. <laughs> uh, John Ford and I, and John Ford and many other people. But he, here's the thing. Um, so I wrote a piece saying, and actually our friend Joanna Stern uh, uh, wrote something similar, that because they are so fanatical about privacy, they won't be able to scoop up all the information that Google can scoop up, scoop up from searches and from map things and that 
Facebook can scoop up from the social graph um, that will let them become smarter and smarter about you and about people like you and whatever. And today I think we saw something interesting, which is they kind of came up with – loophole is the wrong word because it implies something sneaky. An explanation. Uh, they, yeah. Well, well, no, it's more path, than that. Right? They, they kind of an came up with a technique that I'm pretty sure nobody in the technique, room had heard yes, of. Yes, a technique. Uh, called differential privacy, which they, which I have yet to have time to study up on. But I did have time to talk to their chief privacy person uh, afterward who tried to explain it to me on a fourth grade level, uh, and uh, which I'm not blaming him for. He's a very nice man and – I am at a fourth grade level when it comes to this. But basically, it's uh, he said it's been around a long time in, in analog things and has to do with they take all of the – like let's take the case of what words, what new kind of interesting contextually appropriate words should we be suggesting for you in our keyboard? How do we learn that as the language changes? Well, Google learns it, I presume, from knowing – what people are searching for from you know, knowing what people are typing going up to the cloud and they have the keys to decrypt it, which, of course, Apple has famously uh, taken away from itself. Facebook learns it by, because people are posting every second on Facebook. Apple, with this differential privacy, the, as best I understand it, they're, they're getting it off the local devices. They're hashing it up in some way that even they can't disassemble it. And when it gets to their servers in the cloud, they are still able to detect a kind of what they called a nuance or a bias toward certain new terms and certain new things that allows them to fill in that dictionary and keep it alive and keep it intelligent. Yeah. With they no- should have called it toddler learning because <laughs> if you've ever sent a toddler to school or you know they, they come right. back and they're saying these – where did you hear that? I don't know. <laughs> and that's essentially right. what Apple's doing. Well, it's, it's learning, but it's not telling you where it learned that. It's just getting that, smarter. That, that, just patterns. That, that may be at a sixth grade level. <laughs> yeah. I, love, I like that. So, so Tim, Tim if you're listening, toddler learning. But yeah. the point is, it's, it is kind of similar. It can't be like you can't unpack it and tra- track it back to Lauren Good. You just, you just know, and it, and the, it's not just the words in the dictionary; it's other places. So, well, they're doing it; they're, they're making everything. The so photos, they're like having, they're imposing on themselves a couple of extra steps, uh, which presumably Google and Facebook don't have to do. I don't know how, but Amazon, because mostly, don't they mostly know what you are buying? Amazon knows everything. Okay. Thank you. <laughs> no, they know. Thank you, Bob. Amazon's literally installed an array of far-field microphones in my home. Well, yeah, I understand. But the way but they I... do it, it's not creepy because they actually sent a butler to help you. <laughs> and ask what you want and notice <laughs> what you're wearing. The butler, butler yes. works for KGB, though. You don't know. <laughs> Mr. But... Mossberg, should I find those boxers for you in another size? <laughs> <laughs> yes, thank you. <laughs> How but, did you know I'm wearing boxers? But here's the point. <laughs> Point is, Apple has. I mean, to me, again, maybe I'm on a fourth grade level. Dieter's right. They kept saying we're focused on the local phone, but they admitted today that there are some things for which it's helpful to know what all the local phones are doing, and they claim to have figured out a way to do it through this thing called differential privacy. And it's similar to what Steve Jobs told you years ago. They were doing with maps, right? When he talked about how they're getting smarter around traffic patterns, but not tracking exactly where an identifiable individual person right. is every moment of the day. That's right. And so it does put a couple of more steps in their path. 
than their competitors might have, although we'll probably hear from their competitors yeah. that they're super private. I, you know. Yeah, they're also <laughs> differentiated. Uh, okay, so but anyway, we, that's that that so that was an interesting. So that was a big today. one, and then we got to do. We're running out of time. We we have to talk about. The, I think the biggest announcement of all, which is iMessage, turning into a platform, having an app store, new ways to to draw in it. All of digital touch appears to have been subsumed into messages. So that was their. Walt's again staring at me like I'm a crazy person. They tried to launch with the watch an entirely new messaging platform. It did it work, Neil? No, no, because I'm no one saying. wants to draw things on this tiny, tiny like watches don't make very good input devices, but the phone actually makes a pretty good input device. Right, now so that whole used to it, panel. So. Are you going to start like texting me drawings? You just wait, Mossberg. <laughs> you just wait. <laughs> the stuff that is sort of table stakesy with messaging apps now, but hasn't been iMessage. So there's sticker things. There's giant emojis. There's giant emojis. There are there's, secret messages. There's secret messages. You can swipe to reveal. There's like likes. You know, it's like mm -hmm. Facebook reactions. You can put a heart over some things. Yeah. You know what's table stakes? What's that? Working on either the web or Android. <laughs> <laughs> Dieter's ringing yeah. the web bell. Yeah. No, no, Android. Just, just, you don't have to go on the web. That's fine. I know you hate the web Apple. That's cool. Just, Put it on Android. Right. Why literally, not? literally before we walked in there, I put in the live blog. If they put iMessage on Android, I'm switching to a Nexus phone. That's why it's and not on Android. And that's why it's not on Android. Yeah. I mean, um, really, though? Like, yeah, is no, that re gonna really, uh, if they're not lying to me offstage when I talk to them afterward, their explanation was we have a big base. It may not be as big as Facebook's, but it's actually closer to Facebook Messenger than you think. No numbers offered. And we're pretty happy with our base. And we still think it helps us sell our devices. And we don't, we don't see the gain from putting it on Android. Now, I'm sure they had an – I can't believe since they are human beings that they didn't have a – don't ring the bell. That they, <laughs> <laughs> that they didn't have I'm gonna a, close that tab. a debate about it uh, because it's a logical thing to think about. But – and I'm – my – Citing this to you doesn't mean I necessarily agree with it because I too said in the in the blo in the live blog that I and I think I said it on CNBC this morning that uh, didn't I I think I did that uh, you said many brilliant things on <laughs> CNBC this, was, this was long ago all the most brilliant things <laughs> yes. I've heard you say outside of this podcast were on CNBC I think at eight o'clock this morning on CNBC I said uh, they should uh, or eight forty that they. Uh, that I thought that it was possible they would put it on Android or probable. Uh, but to my surprise, they didn't. And when I asked why not, the, this is the answer. We, we have a big base and we're still interested in using this all as a differentiator to keep people buying our products, our hardware products. But, I mean, does everything need to be – I mean, Apple Music isn't a differentiator. They've got that on Android. Is that just because it was on Android already yeah, and they didn't is. want to pull it off? It is. That was a, a complicated part of the deal with Beats. That bumps which, by me the way, out, is also though. why the app was so terrible at first, I think, made by a committee. Yeah. Um, as for iTunes, they, I raised that issue with the dis in the discussion with the person I was talking to. And the answer was, um, well, we had the iPod. And for the iPod to succeed, we, we needed a broader base. The implication being we don't need that anymore now. Well, I think with Apple Music, the big difference is you can't roll up to a Beyonce or a Taylor Swift and say, give us an exclusive unless you can go to everybody, mm -hmm. right? And it's maybe you can pay them more and only hit iPhone users, but I think those artists, they want, they want the model 
the Apple Music model of the pricing, the per stream pricing, the ability to go to iTunes and actually purchase the album, whatever. They want that everywhere. And, and you the value, only competitor you, they have that's wide is Spotify, and nobody likes the Spotify model. You also value these things differently. People pay for Apple Music. People pay for iTunes, right? These are just very – these are upfront costs that people have to pay to sort of participate in the service. Nobody pays for iMessage in that traditional sense. They pay for it when they buy Apple hardware. They pay for it when they're a part of iCloud, let's say. But it's a different value proposition for but Apple. Imagine so that platform value now. proposition is right. – But it's a platform now. They're, they're, they're telling app developers, we want you to – sell apps into iMessage. You can charge for those. We're going to take a cut of that, I assume. So they say they're Is a Is that how that's working? They're actually going to take a cut of things that are transactions it's through iMessage? It's an app drawer. They made no, that distinction. There's an app store. There's an iMessage app store. You can develop apps for iMessage. I watched uh, in their little State of the Union thing. They like develop. They made an, a sticker app. Please like, explain the State of the Union. The State of the Union. I'm sorry. It's is when like the, the president it's addresses a Congress. Super nerdy, like developer focused thing where they talk about uh, new ways that Xcode. It's can not when President Bartlett goes to Congress. Uh, aspect ratios <laughs> and everybody yeah. cheers. President the Mac OS developers sit on one side and the iOS yeah. developers yeah. sit on another. Yeah. And, yeah. Yeah. So and there's a tvOS developer sitting in the basement. But even that. <laughs> John, the app stores are only something you can get on Apple devices. No, but that's too. the thing. So if you, if Apple says iMessage on, they didn't do this. I don't even want to talk about this. But if they put, if they put an Android, then they can put an app store on Android and start collecting revenue out of it. Theoretically, but right? don't they lose well, control of some of the security? They, what everyone is saying, I can is, make a very cogent argument, joined by my friend Judge John Fort. That uh, that they should have, and and by Dieter, nicknames and sound effects. Which I think is a majority actually. That uh, around this table, that they should have put it on Android. Uh, Particularly, here's another reason: Google's weak in messaging. Yeah, this might be a good moment to seize it. Well, they're they're weak in terms of quality, but not in terms of number of messaging apps in which they (laughs) (laughs) they best. iMessage is actually a good. Yeah. Uh, iMessage is a good me- was a good yeah. messaging app yesterday. Today, it's a really good Here's, messaging app. I think app. we want it on Android. Cook. The day that Allo gets released, I flip on iMessage for Android and just sit back and laugh. Yeah. Well, no, I mean, I think, look, we want it. I want it because I have 90 phones. I think the average iPhone user does not give a shit. And I think the average Android user c- maybe co- consistently thinks, well, if I get an iPhone, I get the blue bubbles. And now I'll get shiny backgrounds that full of fireworks and new kinds of bubbles and whatever else it is. I mean, there are... The, 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 the bet here is that it's a long game and maybe the smartphone market is being reset at a lower level, but it's still a lot of smartphones a quarter and they still make a lot of money off them and it's worth it to do something that this highly improved iMessage, sorry, that will... Uh, keep people buying iPhones and, and iPads and Macs. But what are they That's really in it for? That's basically the bet. Like, if, if they're in it to collect this data from people, if they want to hear our voices and see what we message about, why not get as broad a swath of people as possible and, you know, give because them... They, because the answer is they think they have a huge base. They right. believe they have a huge enough base to do this differential privacy, you know, hashed up, whatever it is, thing and figure out what we're talking uh, about. Facebook's is bigger, though. I, it's yeah, bigger, but, but I mean, at some game? point, there's diminishing returns. At some point, you have enough, and they think they have enough. Hmm. I'm just I'm just telling you. And also, Apple's business is still selling phones, ringing revenue out of the phones. Facebook's business, they need that bigger base because they, they just get they a small They are not going to know what India's working class is talking about on messaging 
you know, by, by voice, if not written, yeah. because maybe the literacy, li- they're not going to know what those people are talking about because they are absolutely not going to use iMessage because given be given Tim Cook's yeah. focus, I have to assume that was part of this discussion, this imaginary discussion they had inside. Neil, can I say one more thing? Yes. Um, I was disappointed today, and this may not be something they do at a keynote. Maybe it's something we'll find out about when we finally get our hands on this thing. That they didn't talk about to having done a lot more work to fix the core apps, which yeah. I think yeah. have fallen behind. Uh, they're letting you delete them. And we talked about mail, but it, this goes for others so this as well. Is, I was thinking about this, and maybe this is a thing. They're going to make the team that works on mail, if they put that thing in the store, they will now be able to track the number of people that download Apple Mail, right? The team that works on the Stocks app, they're going to be able to track downloads. Those teams now have to compete against Outlook, Yeah, you're Gmail, right. Maybe that's their solution Airmail. rather than saying, here's a new version that we've done, is to say – we're, gonna we're it unleashing on it into the world as if it was a uh, right. third-party An app. Apple Mail team, if you're getting your ass kicked in the store by AirMail or Gmail, like, you and better really, win or if, go. If I appoint you the head of the Apple Mail team and you have to compete in the store, probably the first thing you're going to do is either make it work great with Gmail or make fix search. Yeah. I mean, I, I think that is – their solution is not we're going to do these monolithic releases. It's we're unbundling the stuff. We're letting people delete it. You can download it if you need it. And if those teams don't win, we're going to get new teams because that's that's the right solution, right? It's compete. So I want to ask Lauren one question because you you and I were talking about messaging as we were leaving. It's been you know Silicon Valley major company month and a half is over. Every company has talked about intelligence. Every company has talked about messaging. Do you think Apple's conversations around and message was their big highlight? I mean, that was the grand finale today. Do you think that they talked about that stuff at the same level as? Google, Facebook, Mike. I mean, well, they didn't talk Google, about Facebook, bots. They didn't talk about bots. Right? That's what so I was leading up to. So it was the to. one word that they didn't. We didn't hear once throughout this developers conference that we've heard at almost every other Facebook, Google, uh, who else? Whether Microsoft, of course, yeah. Microsoft builds was a big one. Racist um, bots at Microsoft. <laughs> yeah. No, but even bots in Skype. I mean, accidentally racist. <laughs> the accidentally racist bots. <laughs> like, up to build. <laughs> Where did you exactly. learn that was. word? Uh, Tay was I just a had some real flashbacks to growing up in Wisconsin. Terrible things. <laughs> uh, no, but Apple didn't talk about bots at all, and that's probably for one of two reasons or both reasons. The first is that Apple tends to not use jargony things with the exception oh sorry there's my iMessage speak of the devil with the exception of um, differential privacy or whatever it is right <laughs> but but they, they tend to not use things that maybe would be over like the average, average consumers just don't care about and so bots kind of fall into that category um, and the other thing is that the way that I think that they're allowing third party apps to work within iMessage is very different from this idea of the transactional bots that are going to be working in some other messaging apps so there was that and then what was the other question that you asked? You were going to say something well, about, mess- oh, and then how it compares to, so I, I'll let Dieter talk about this because you wrote so many great pieces about messages around Google I.O., um, that one in particular. But, um, you know, Apple's iMessage experience still is really streamlined. When people think of Apple messaging, they think iMessage is the only app. They know about certain levels of security. They know what it can do. They know where they can get it. It's, you know, for better or worse, it's a very streamlined experience. Whereas Google, you know, is saying, like, here's this video app and here's this messaging app. And um, Google Hangouts didn't really work out as well for us as we hope. But you can still use that, by the way. And um, by the way, you know, here's this app. And, and it just gets to be a little bit confusing and a little bit convoluted. And so I think relative to that, um, I don't know, I, at least in the U.S., uh, I think iMessage is still... Still the one I'm going to use a lot. Yeah. I can so, tell you that. I think you're exactly right to point out that they 
refuse to talk about bots and instead talk about apps because for Apple, apps fits into Apple's like power base of their platforms, right? And so when you say like bots aren't ready, they're really transactional, uh, you know, blah 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 blah. Like that's a that's a fuzzy mess that Apple doesn't want to put into their user experience. But if they can like take those things and say, hey. I know you've made a bot that'll talk to anybody. Instead of doing that, make an app that'll talk to iMessage. That's a huge win for Apple. So I think that's exactly right. Um, the and I also think you're right that, like, yes, like all of the other messaging options on Google are are just not going to beat iMessage in the U.S. Even if like people get you know annoyed that you can do slightly more things uh, with bots on those other platforms. Like iMessage will be cleaner. It won't have quite the huge, crazy Wild West feature set of those other messaging apps, but I don't think Apple cares. And I don't think most mm-hmm. consumers in the U.S. are going to care. It's the most likely to succeed business model-wise, right? Because in terms of how Apple has monetized the App Store, the seamless way that you pay for things through Apple versus other ecosystems. If I'm a developer and I'm going to develop and I want to make money <laughs> and I'm going to develop some kind of an add-on for messaging, I'm sure going like to try it on Like ca- peer-to-peer yeah. cash. Absolutely. Or even just cute stickers of, of cats playing with yarn and typing on Somebody, on some, uh, who, I, I forget which one, Ben Thompson. I don't want to name, maybe I'm using the wrong name. One of the well-known analysts tweeted, remember, stickers is a big business today. Yeah. yeah. As and well. Apple said you can do you can be a sticker know, developer without even writing I never a line knew it was code. a big business, but apparently it is. Yeah, All right, you, we, open up, you open up Xcode, you make you click make sticker project, you drag your images into where you want the stickers to be, you click publish and you're done. Well, I'm leaving this <laughs> this, this garbage. I'm drawing stickers for the rest of my life on my iPad Pro. Uh, all right, let's wrap this up. Let me do let's do final thoughts real fast. Well, you get one sentence. John? Why do I have to go first? I'm a new guy. Yeah. That's why you gotta go first. <laughs> final thought. Uh, looking forward to Apple expanding the ecosystem. Not sure they did that here, but as somebody who's already in it, I'm excited about what they announced. Lauren. Uh, I'm going to broaden it out a bit. Final thought for today is that given all of the other really crappy news that's been out there lately, um, I was pretty happy to be at WWDC today, and I think it was overall um, a fairly eventful um, keynote and in a good way. Yeah. Uh, I think the most important thing is that um, Apple is – amping up its efforts in AI without violating privacy, at least as far as we know. And I think that was good. Uh, you can you can do split-screen Safari uh, windows on the iPad. <laughs> I'm pretty excited about that. It was really a mix of wow. like really high-minded stuff, and like we cleaned up this button that you've hated. We didn't talk about Swift, but that's another conversation. Uh, let's see. Swift Playgrounds. We've, we've been doing this for 90 minutes. Um, so mine is, and I, I actually think it's important, this is the first time in a long time that Apple, to me, has felt intentional and confident. And I think for the past year, they've just been firing half-baked ideas out in the world. And this time, they, they kind of know what they're doing. It's still a little half-baked. But it's the tech industry. <laughs> of course it is. All right, that was Vergecast. Uh, John, do you want to you plug your show again? Do you have another thing you want to plug? Anything you want, really. I really don't need to talk about Squawk Alley on CNBC at 11 a.m. Eastern, <laughs> 8 Pacific, because just kind of mentioning product product placement, I think yeah. this podcast is way above that sort of thing. Yeah, I don't want to so, do that. Yeah. Talk about I know. I'm personally, I'm a little too embarrassed to ask oh for the opportunity to promote my podcast. Which happens to you? Take it, take it away, Dieter, Walter. Dieter Pick up that Dieter, baton and run. Dieter just left. He left the room. 
I think he just went to watch Squawk Alley <laughs> on Apple TV because you can watch past episodes. And let me just point out that anytime you want, you can hear Neela and I any time of the day or night <laughs> on many different <laughs> podcasts, podcatcher apps. Yes, yeah. I think we're on Stitcher now. You can um, just get it. Stitcher? I we're on Stitcher show, sewing machines. <laughs> we're everywhere. We're everywhere. They're smart, connected um, sewing machines. <laughs> podcast apps. Just, that's great. Control, alt, delete, preloaded. That's, that's our market. Control, alt, delete. Yeah, uh, uh, the completely unscripted podcast <laughs> by Neil and me. And if you like this one, yeah. if you love scripted podcast, <laughs> the Vergecast is for you. Uh, but if you like crazy, control out the leads where you want to. I just want to point out that uh, unlike all the other busters at this table, I do not have a side hustle. <laughs> you just follow me on the Vergecast. Oh my! My side hustle is just irritating Walt for thirty minutes and control out the lead. I don't do a lot. <laughs> <laughs> All right, that's it. There's also a bunch of other great podcasts. There is What's Tech with Chris Plant. There's Virgie SP with Emily Ashita and Liz Apato. There's Recode Decode with Kara Swisher. And my favorite of all, actually, Recode Media, Peter Kafka. And Recode Replay, where you can hear all the Code Conference but interviews. That th- doesn't have a host that I'm accidentally insulting by not mentioning. <laughs> so Recode oh, Replay is whatever. It's a bot. Like, <laughs> it's bots. They don't have feelings. <laughs> all right, that's it. There's so much. Uh, just social media, the shit out of this. Let's just wrap this up. Ring the bell, Lauren. We're done here. So earlier you may have heard my my sweet ad uh, for Coors where I drop my voice down, but I don't know if I can keep that up. Instead, I'm just going to tell you that there's this town in Colorado called Golden. I've actually been there. It was founded during the gold rush and was home to miners who spent 12 hours a day in the frozen ground digging for gold. But that land was rich in another resource, the Rocky Mountain water that runs cold and clear. One man knew the value of that water. That was Mr. Coors. In 1873, he settled in Golden to brew the finest beer that the town had ever tasted. The miners are grateful because when they sat down for a well-deserved banquet, Mr. Coors brought a beer worthy of the occasion. And that beer came to be known as the Banquet Beer. Coors, the Banquet Beer. Remember what I said earlier the lawyers maybe say? Say it again. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. With great beer comes great responsibility.